It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Way back when in the year 2000, a group of men took the world by storm with three simple words. Welcome to Jackass. When the TV series Jackass debuted on MTV, no one had ever seen anything else quite like it. Here was a group of friends and quasi-stuntmen who seemed willing to do anything for a laugh. Swallow a live goldfish? Why not? Get chased down and gored by a bull? Sounds like a fun Monday. Launch yourself dozens of feet in the air inside of a dirty porta potty I think you know where this is going. You ready, Cito? No. It was crude, it was juvenile, and it was also insanely popular. This collection of characters like Johnny Knoxville, Steve-O, Wee Man, Van Margera, Ryan Dunn, and Chris Rapp made it clear that there was no danger off limits. On the bright side of fame, this series would create a template for going viral before such a thing ever existed, with the property morphing from its homegrown and underground roots into a full-on entertainment franchise with all three seasons of TV, four features films, and countless spin-offs. But just as immediate as the cultural impact was, the controversy the show would create because of the dark side of fame is a different story altogether. Once the cameras stopped rolling, several of the show's stars were left forever changed, whether it was permanent injuries, drug addiction, suicidal thoughts, and yes, even death. Jackass left a trail of bodies and destruction in its wake. Definitely woke me up and like coming from a jackass, like I recommend to everybody, do not get behind the wheel if you've been drinking, just yeah. don't. What's poppin' guys, your boy Marlon Palmer back at it again with a brand new episode of our series that takes a closer look at the dark corners of celebrity. Today's subject is none other than the comedy group Jackass. The boys are about to reunite and drop their fourth feature film sometime this year, so what better time than now to investigate those areas of the show that aren't so often discussed? Look, we all were huge fans of the series back in the day, but that doesn't mean there weren't a whole lot of mistakes being made during the creation of it. Today I'm going to tell you all about it. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at DadDoomFly. Let me know what you guys think, and let's get into the story. Johnny Knoxville, arguably the most famous member of the Jackass crew, conceptualized the series back in 1998 and pitched the ideas to several different publications. The initial kernel was that Johnny would test several self-defense tactics on himself. Jeff Tremaine, the then 32-year-old editor of Big Brother magazine, greenlit Johnny's idea and asked him to film the process. Hitman! Around that same time, Bam Margera, his best friend Ryan Dunn, and a group of others that included Chris Rapp, created their own underground skating group that moonlit as stuntmen and slapstick comedians, known as CKY, which stands for Can't Kill Yourself. 
They released their own homemade movies, the second of which, CKY2K, would lead to their connecting with Johnny Knoxville, Rab told Page Six. That was the video that put us on the map. That's what led to the connection with Jeff Tremaine, Johnny Knoxville, and Spike Jones. So when we connected with them, we went out to California to film a couple of things with a few guys with the Big Brother skateboarding magazine. Tremaine acted as the mastermind behind the scenes who put the whole thing together. After filming this new collective pulling pranks and dangerous stunts, he showed the footage to MTV and Comedy Central, and MTV eventually bit on the idea. Once the show was greenlit, members like Wee Man and Steve-O were added to round out the cast, with Tremaine acting as the primary director. Before they knew it, they were going full speed ahead. The show's extreme antics forced the network to attach a disclaimer that was shown at the beginning and end of each episode in an attempt to warn their impressionable young audience that they should, under no circumstance, try these stunts at home. Of course, as soon as you tell someone what not to do, what do you think the very first thing they're going to do is? Yeah, that's what I thought. Fans of the series would repeatedly try to duplicate stunts or worse, create their very own, which led to horrifying injuries like a 14-year-old boy who reportedly burned over 65% of his body after imitating this human barbecue stunt. You want me to flame you up a little bit or not? Then, in 2002, a 15-year-old from Albuquerque died after being thrown from a car and dragged underneath it while trying to imitate a stunt that was seen in the first film. Which means, as popular as the series was, it was also under heavy fire from the likes of Connecticut Senator Joe Lieberman, who rallied against the show and told Viacom, the owner of MTV, to take the series off television. In all actuality, controversies like these probably only helped the ratings. But before long, public feuds over the meager pay the cast was receiving and perceived studio censorship would have the boys calling it quits after 25 episodes and three quick seasons. The franchise would then transition to feature films. With an increased budget and more eyes than ever, the Jackass crew would push their shtick to even further heights. But by now, the cast members were really beginning to feel the wear and tear of the stunts ravaging their bodies. Danger Aaron McGahey told Page Six, I've had many, many injuries from it. 25 surgeries, including nine knee surgeries and three broken backs. With injuries came exposure and at times addiction to painkillers. When someone got injured on set, instead of having it probably dealt with, they would just numb the pain with drugs so they could get right back to it. Eventually it got to the point where damn near everyone was either on some type of drug or drinking to help curb the pain. And as a collective, the group was spiraling and unable to help one another. Chris Rabb says that while he played at a heightened version of himself on the series, the role between his real self and the maniac he pretended to be on television began to blur. He told Page Six, I did a lot of cocaine and I drank my ass off pretty much seven days a week. Jackass was perfect time for my addiction to manifest. It's an obsessive lifestyle. I didn't realize how much I became a slave to drugs and alcohol. Eventually, Chris recognized that his only chance of survival was to leave the group altogether. Chris would exit after the first feature film and not return for any of the sequels. He says that after he began to spiral even further, taking more drugs and drinking more alcohol all alone in his condo because he didn't want to be around anyone. He eventually began to contemplate suicide. I actually went heavier into drinking and it was a pretty dark part of my life. Felt like I didn't have any friends, felt like oh, I couldn't trust anybody, and I was like not contacting anybody. This was largely because it was hard for him to readjust to normal life after the years he spent with Jackass. He blew all of his Jackass money almost as soon as he first got it. And by the time he was older, he had to work as a waiter at a restaurant to make a living. When patrons would recognize him and ask what the hell he was doing serving them food, it was extremely embarrassing for him. These days, Rab is doing much better working as a consultant on films, and he stayed sober for close to 10 years. But not everyone who was once a part of Jackass is so lucky. Take for instance Bam Margera, a man who has struggled on and off with 
alcoholism, drug addiction, and an eating disorder ever since he first started destroying his body back in the CKY days. Bam says he never even touched alcohol before filming began on Jackass, but once he did, he was hooked. If you're a professional skateboarder, you can't drink. I never drank until I was like 22. Never tried drugs at all until I was like 24. He was frequently caught on camera in behind the scenes clips drunk out of his mind during the filming of both Jackass and his own series, Viva La Bette. During an episode of that latter series, he was taken to the hospital by state troopers and paramedics for dehydration after a four day drinking bitch. Margera told People Magazine in 2017, I was bag wasted every night and eventually was like, this has to stop. Once I woke up in my own puke and piss, I knew I had to cut it off. Always a good indicator. Waking up in the piss and the vomit, never a good time, never happened to me but I'm assuming it's not a good time. Despite coming to this realization, rehab has never gone easily for Bam. He's been in and out over a handful of times and usually leaves the program before it's completed. He's appeared on TV series like Family Therapy with Dr. Jenna and Dr. Phil, all in a search for help and despite having short periods of sobriety, he almost always seems to relapse. Come on, I'm serious. This is a fucking reality TV show. Yeah, Bam, this is, this is Stop. Over. In September of 2019, Bam was diagnosed as bipolar and began receiving treatment, which seems to have helped him stabilize, at least until more recently. But we'll circle back to that in a moment or two. To make matters worse, Bam has also struggled with bulimia over the years, but neither his eating disorder or his drinking problem would impact Bam as much as the death of his best friend Ryan Dunn. Ryan was a staple of the Jackass series, and for the most part, usually the most level-headed member of the group, often calling his friends stupid for the insanity they were willing to put themselves through. Unfortunately, Ryan had a weakness himself when it came to two things, drinking and fast cars. One day in June of 2011, the combination of both of those things would prove to be his demise. Dunn and his passenger, Zachary Hartwell, died from the impact and resulting fire of the crash in West Goshen Township early yesterday morning. Dunn's Porsche might have been traveling as fast as 130 miles per hour. While driving his Porsche with friend Zachary Hartwell beside him, Ryan's vehicle crashed into a tree and both men would die inside the resulting inferno. Bam was devastated. I've never lost anybody that I care about. <laughs> it's my best friend. At 12.30, I just started punching out the windows and ripping out the speakers and I don't even know why. What made matters worse, we later learned that Ryan had been drinking prior to the crash and his blood alcohol content was more than twice that of the legal limit of Pennsylvania. As horrific as the accident was, perhaps no former member of Jackass made more headlines for their insane and dangerous antics than the man known as Steve-O. <laughs> Unlike most of the others, Steve-O has said that his addictions go far back in his life, claiming he began drinking at the age of just 12 years old. He also had an extensive drug problem, and some of his favorites included ketamine, cocaine, nitrous oxide, PCP, Xanax, and Valium. Which, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm finding it hard-pressed to think of a drug the man didn't enjoy using. Then again, I may be burying the lead here because the craziest story I unearthed about any of these guys is the time that Steve-O snorted cocaine mixed with his dealer's blood. Pretty insane, right? Now just hold on a second because I didn't even tell you the crazy part yet. His dealer's blood was HIV positive. Yeah. And this is how desperate and pathetic my addiction was that I sat there knowingly scraping up this tainted blood cocaine. I sat there and snorted it. Steve-O got lucky and never contracted the disease, but I mean, my God. And hey, drugs with a side order of near-death experiences weren't all of it. In 2002, he was arrested on obscenity charges for stabling his scrotum to his leg during a performance at a Louisiana nightclub. Then in 2003, he was arrested in Sweden after he was caught swallowing a condom full of cannabis to get it past authorities while flying. How do you, how do you get caught 
doing, did they catch him mid-condom? I'm so confused. Things hit a fever pitch in 2008 when he was kicked off the air during MTV's live broadcast of the Jackass MTV 24-hour takeover because he was so widely drunk. Soon after, he sent out an email to the boys of Jackass suggesting that he was thinking of taking his own life. His friends sprung to action and forced him to go to rehab. Once there, he was placed under a 72-hour psychiatric hold, which was later extended to 14 days after an alleged suicide attempt. I'm sure you're figuring this probably doesn't end well for Sivo, but amazingly, he turned his act around and became a giant success story. He's now been sober for over 13 years. It's just an amazing accomplishment. Can we give it up for Steve-O? Clap at home. Clap at home. Finally, before we go, let's check in with the leader of the group, Johnny Knoxville, who has struggled with his own issues from time to time. In 2008, he was arrested at LAX when security found a hand grenade in his carry-on luggage. He was detained for a while, but officials finally released him after concluding that one of his assistants packed it in his bag as a joke. Now, as a good a sense of humor as Johnny has, something tells me that assistant doesn't work for him anymore. Johnny also suffered some long-term damage to a particularly sensitive part of his body after famously rupturing his urethra while trying to backflip on a motorcycle during MTV's 24-hour marathon. Yeah, you heard me, his, his urethra. And I fall back down on my back and my knees are behind my ears. And right at that time, the motorcycle comes down and breaks its handlebars off of my crotch. Part of his healing process involved inserting a catheter into himself twice a day for three years with a tube the size of a number two pencil. Do you need help visualizing that? Well, there you go. I hope that was as traumatizing for you as it was for me. To make matters worse, Johnny would go on to tell Vanity Fair that his appendage down there is now apparently a dog's chew toy that's like a sock that's lost his elasticity. I don't exactly know what's up with Johnny, but I'm pretty sure they have pills for that these days. Just check your doctor. More recently, the stars of Jackass have been back in the news because Jackass 4 is getting ready to drop sometime this year, COVID pending of course, and while most of us are eagerly looking forward to its release, one person who is decidedly not is Bam Margera, who took to social media to tell fans to boycott the release of the film after mistakenly believing that he was going to be left out of it. It was like my family that won't let me in because they say I'm out there being a jackass on TMZ. Bam would later retract those sentiments, but still be let go from the film after his old dependency habits began to crop up once again. Here's hoping that Bam is able to wrestle back control over his life, but if you wanna learn anything more about this story, including what he's gone through, be sure to check out our recent Where Are They Now? And I think we'll bring this video to an end here. Be sure to let us know what you think about the dark side of jackass in the comments down below. Did any of you ever hurt yourself while trying to recreate some of their iconic stunts? Let us know, follow us on Instagram and before they're famous to vote on what's next. And I'll see you guys in the next video. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.